When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everyone, and happy holidays. Welcome to Week 16. Looking forward to a huge showdown at SoFi Stadium this Sunday. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Uh, Yes, the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks. Wait, what? What about it? (laughs) (laughs) Aren't they the two most interested parties in this game? I think they might be. Absolutely. Uh, First-round picks and order and sequencing at stake. Tell me you're not low-key rooting for the Lions. Come on. No, I'm, a little bit. I, of yeah. course, I want good things to happen for, yeah. for Jared and for a lot of those people. Yep. Um, Brad Holmes, sure, totally. But uh, don't you get the sense? Is it incorrect to say that their audience more invested in the outcome of this game than maybe the Broncos fans or the Rams fans? I think so. It, it's <laughs> funny how football works that way sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, come on down to SoFi. It'd be a great game. I'm pretty sure the league and the TV networks were not uh, planning on a matchup between four and ten teams on Christmas Sunday when they assigned this game, uh, including the Nickelodeon simulcast. But uh, nonetheless, it does shake out as Russell Wilson returning to SoFi Stadium to face the Rams, the team that uniquely tormented him in such a way that Seattle and he finally went their separate ways. It's worked out better thus far for the Seahawks, although they've taken a turn. Russell Wilson cleared from the concussion protocol and set to start here Sunday. Interesting. Russell Wilson, a Hall of Famer in your book. Uh, Fringe there. I mean, McNabb's still Used to be. Yeah. I, I I don't usually say that Hall of Fame credentials can be diminished or rescinded. But if he's not careful, I I think he could tarnish his legacy to such an extent with the Broncos that maybe in an elite era, a golden era of quarterbacking, he does struggle to get in, don't you? Look, I mean, don't you think he's already tarnished it some? I mean, absolutely. People are taking shots at him. His old teammates are taking shots at him. Um, So who knows? I still think the guy is is one of the best ever. I mean, maybe we were just too close to it. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. The guy who's never got an MVP vote in his own time yeah. is one of the best ever. I think that's going to be the rub, DeMarco. Well, I mean, we talked about that MVP not getting the vote. I mean, it should have been his year a couple of times. It just wasn't for some reason because he was special. I mean, you have to give him that. He was special, and he's done some unprecedented things in the National Football League. Yeah. However, you put enough time and space between a Super Bowl championship and the first to do this passing and that rushing – and you add in the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herbert, the Tua Tungavailoas of the world, if they have Hall of Fame careers, I think it could get lost in the wash between, you know, the Brady, Breeze, Manning era and this next wave of young quarterbacks who are going to break all of those records. What did Batman say? If you, if you stay long enough, you, you go from hero to villain or mm. something like that? I think that's Russell Wilson right now. Look, I mean, you better retire soon then and, and play that game. And try to figure out, you know, five years after I retire, who else is going to be on that ballot with me? So I think right now if he stopped, um, I, I think no question he'd be in. Or at least get some votes to be in. Maybe not first ballot, but he's in. Yeah. Interesting time to catch the Broncos because, like the Rams, they're eliminated. They're not going anywhere after week 18. But it does feel like they're playing uh, to keep their coach in the building so that Nathaniel Hackett is not one and done. 
and they've had their best quarterbacking and then running back performances in consecutive games on offense for the league's worst offensive team. Maybe signs of life as they come to Englewood. We'll pick up the Broncos a little bit later on in the program uh, when we go four down territory with Jeff Legwold, who'll be our guest, covers the Broncos for ESPN's NFL Nation. Uh, but before we get to the Rams, how about a little holiday chatter? How you doing? How are you and your family uh, approaching the Christmas weekend? We're good. We're good. Uh, we, we got the whole Christmas Day planned out now. Everybody's How's going that going to go? Have you played on Christmas before? First Never. Of all? Okay. Ne- practiced. <laughs> Have you broadcast on Christmas Day before? No. Okay. Never. So yeah. this is... Uncharted territory. We're going to wake up early. We're going to open our presents. We're going to have breakfast, and then we're all going to get in the car and go see a football game. And then Dad's going to branch off and go do what Dad does, and they're going to enjoy it. And then we're going to later on after the game go catch up with the rest of our family. I don't know about you, but I don't think Christmas uh, unwrapping festivities for us have ever really made it even to like 8 a.m., maybe like 7.45 a.m. So I feel like an afternoon kickoff is actually fine. Like, one, it means we're home for the holidays – as opposed to, what, flying to Minneapolis last year, right, for a day after Christmas game? Yeah, this is much better. And you guys had some real travel trouble, as I remember, last Christmas. I'm still traumatized. Okay. So Adam. We're All not right. going to so talk about by that. By comparison, yeah. that have to, quote-unquote, work on Christmas Day, you're good with it. Do you guys clean up the wrapping paper as soon as you're done, <laughs> or do you leave it out? DeMarco, you know my wife. <laughs> you know how like-minded our spouses are. <laughs> it doesn't even hit the floor. Okay. I mean, there is a trash bin adjacent to our children, right and they there. don't get to play with the, cho- the the toys that come out of the wrapping paper unless it's it's a, it's been a perfectly it, deposited. It's been a thirteen year battle for for me. Just leave the paper there. Let the baby play with it. No, we can throw it away later. But that's okay. That's how we're going to do it. I mean, we're going to leave it out today. We're going to leave it out for, for it Christmas. It does have entertainment value, so why not extract? full value out of it that's part of it that brings me back to my childhood that's that's part of it man playing with the box the stuff came in and the wrapping paper throwing it at your brothers don't know what made me think of this but what day is your trash pickup uh we're on tuesdays you're on tuesdays yeah all right so you should be sticking to tuesday then yes we're mondays but monday is the holiday observed so you gotta wait i wonder i better check on that see that's all right have the extra bags out just in case though yeah (laughs) smart stuff uh, I'm not intentionally trying to tap dance around the Los Angeles Rams as a football team, I promise you. I'm just enjoying this conversation. No, it's all good. And the fact good. that it could be 80 degrees in Los Angeles for our Christmas here this weekend. Well, how about that? Come on now. 80 degrees for Christmas. Tell me you don't love L.A. Come on now. Oh, I do. I love it all the more after coming back from Lambeau Field. Oh. Talk about, I don't want to say flight trouble, travel issues. It wasn't an issue coming back from Green Bay. It was just a matter of de-icing thoroughly. What happened? I was asleep. I was knocked out. You deserve to be asleep. I was recharging. So what happened? I thought we were taking off. It was fun. We were making good time. We were on track to get back, I thought, ahead of schedule. Next thing you know, another lap of de-icing and then another round. Uh, And it's snowing. Okay. Even though it didn't really snow hard during the game. It flurried but didn't snow during the game. Anyways. I fell asleep, woke up, and thought we were in L.A. At what, 4 in the morning, give or take? No, I thought we we didn't take off in Green Bay. I thought we landed. Oh, that would have been nice. No, we haven't left Wisconsin yet. Oh, boy. Okay, let's get going here. What are your closing thoughts on that loss to the Packers? Heartbreaking. performance on offense. Heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Is heartbreaking – heartbreaking is not enough because we kind of knew. We kind of expected. It's just – it just feel – I feel bad for guys like Bobby Wagner and and Jalen Ramsey and company when you've got Aaron Rodgers – who basically has a full complement of weapons, and you don't. 
So all he has to do is play keep away, and eventually he's going to find a crack in the defense. Keep away in terms of time of possession? Time of possession and throwing it to spots where you're not. You know what I mean? Uh, And he's got this big horse of a running back behind him and a smaller guy behind that, and he's – he can just run waves at you, and then when you get close enough to the goal line, he can pick you apart. That's just not fair. Speaking of the goal line, I'm not sure what stings more. Having someone punch in, attack on touchdown to put you away, or victory formation taking knees at your one-yard line. That stings. I was talking to them about it. Okay, so take me through that last sequence, right? It's fourth and two, under two minutes. Do they get the first down, and then McVay calls timeout? I think he burned his last one there. Yeah, had had one to use. And then they dropped down to a knee. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like, okay, we're done, and I'm not going to run it up on you. Even LaFleur said it after the game. There, There is a way to win in, this, in the NFL, win with pride. You don't have to score again, but that's his friend on the other side. Oh, yeah. And yeah. McVay said we would have done the same thing. Absolutely. If that's Pete Carroll on the other side, oh, he's <laughs> running it up. You know that. Come on now. So – that's a respectful way, but, I mean, still, um, you know what that game was. It could have been a lot worse than the score. You know, there's, uh, this is probably an issue for next year if the Rams do match up with the Packers again. But in a different way, but a similar story, we've seen this movie too many times now. I'm liking it to the issue with the San Francisco 49ers. Rams going to Green Bay, they're not alone in this, but it's a bad formula. It hadn't looked good there last few trips to Lambeau. I don't know how you solve for that if if you have to go there again next year, which is possible if they're like place finishers. So wait, is this how it works? Tell me, if the Rams are bad and don't look very good, you have to keep going back to Green Bay. Well, the reason they keep matching up is because of the scheduling formula, and yeah. when the NFC North isn't playing the NFC West, you do take on the like place finisher from that division. Which because they've both been good. You keep drawing Under them. Under McVay and LaFleur, you keep drawing them. You're right. Okay. Yeah. And wow. with the exception of 2018 when uh, Todd Gurley kind of ran that Rolex play and clocked it to beat, to beat them at the Coliseum, it's been at their place, not ours. Plus, you had the playoff game there. And uh, since they beat you there, uh, their playoff hopes are still alive, which means the Aaron Rodgers era keeps going. Yeah. Keeps right. I was surprised. Uh, this is, again, off topic, but – might as well touch on it. I was surprised how often I got the question last week, is this the last time you think you'll see Aaron Rodgers in person for the Packers? I was taking an unofficial poll of people that work there on the way in, the people that are dialed in with with Packers football, like we are here. And they were on the fence. If the Rams can somehow beat the Packers or if the Rams are beating the Packers, they may yank Aaron Rodgers in favor of Jordan Love, and that might be it for him. That was on the lips of everyone that was working for the Packers that I talked to. So it's a real thing, but it continues. It moves on. So I I, I don't think we have to worry about Jordan Love, facing Jordan Love in Green Bay next year. It'll be Aaron Rodgers. This week's challenge, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, the worst offensive team in the National Football League, but an elite defensive unit uh, led by a coordinator who was in Los Angeles and is familiar with Sean McVay and the offense he typically runs. The issue, though, just like with uh, the Packers last week and Joe Barry, this isn't the typical Rams offense. We'll get into that next with head coach Sean McVay. We've still got four down territory with our peak inside the Broncos organization. Uh, And we'll have some Christmas Sunday at SoFi Thoughts to close out uh, this edition of Rams All Access. Hope you're having a great holiday week, everyone. Uh, This is Rams All Access, week 16 edition on 710 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The laundry list of injured Rams continues to grow here with three games left on the 2022 slate. We learn that center Brian Allen is done for the year with a calf injury. Likewise, Ben Skaronic who had become a starting receiver and one of the most uh, flexible, versatile players on offense. So that's what they're dealing with against a top-notch Broncos defense. Welcome back to Rams All-Access to Marco Farr, J.B. Long, previewing Christmas Sunday's game at SoFi Stadium. I can never be mad, or no one should ever be mad for a guy for getting injured. But gosh darn it, come on, stay healthy. Come on, 55, we need you. B. Allen, come on, my man. That one against Kenny Clark and the Packers hurt in particular. Oh, to you have your it. Yeah. Your offensive line dented from the opening snap of the game, essentially, uh, was in part why Doom uh, hit the Rams See? on the frozen tundra. And what else? It did Look, it, it's not losing the Packers. Like, the Rams, yes, they're eliminated from the playoffs because of that loss. But I don't think wins and losses are necessarily the utmost priority at this stage of the year. What they were hoping for, I think, was the ability to evaluate some future pieces, including the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. And I don't know that because of the offensive line, because of the conditions, because of who he's throwing to. I don't know that I learned anything informative about Baker Mayfield from last week's trip. Did you? I think you're even. I think you're right back to square one. I mean, you got to give him props for the Raiders and, and coming back and, and driving the team down, even though you had some help to win the football game. And that was a beautifully thrown ball to Van Jefferson. Uh, but in, in Green Bay, I think you came back to earth. Um, so I think it's an ongoing evaluation process with him. But there's a list of guys I'm working on, guys I would love to have back to at least compete for jobs. There are guys that are coming back that are starters. We know this. But guys that have shown you enough, the backups that have gotten some extended reps, the guys you want back to at least compete for other jobs. And there are guys that you probably not, might not want back at all. Uh, but that's what you get to see to finish out the year uh, for the next three weeks. Remember last week we were talking about how he hit the home runs against the Raiders, including the game winner to Van Jefferson, and that's why the Rams were triumphant, their, their highest moment of the season. But that going to face the Packers, a much better passing defense, it would be more about the layup lines. Can you get the easy buckets rather than hit a whole bunch of threes, right? And he didn't do that. And I think there's a whole bunch of reasons why he couldn't or didn't. Uh, including the weather, including the lack of continuity up front, including the fact that he's still not been here two full weeks. Um, but that was probably the one disappointment for me is that the timing and the rhythm of the offense really never found a groove. And, and to operate this offense moving forward, to be a part of this quarterback depth chart moving forward, I think they need to know with some certainty uh, by the end of this year whether or not he can do that, whether yeah. or not he can hit the quicks to the flats, whether or not he can get to his check down deep to short don't you oh absolutely I would love to see him in training camp mini camp what have you when you've got Cooper Cup and you've got Allen Robinson and you've got no pass rush just in a seven on seven environment let me see how you wing the football around let me see what that looks like but right now like you said when you talk about going from your first read to your second read to your third read if you're still trying to remember that guy's name <laughs> how are you going to know where he is on the field you know what I mean so I mean it's either it's one read and run so if that's not there, the play's dead. Uh, here's how Sean McVay put it on that same topic this week. You know, on even some of the play actions, you know, just understanding where your underneath outlets are and, and 
it's things that, you know, sometimes I know I can take for granted where, all right, well, this is, uh, you know, if it ends up being a three-level throw, but you're not really, you know, cognizant of, oh, well, where is that third level coming from based on how we final formationed it, whether it was with a motion or um, somebody coming from a different location as opposed to just the back being that outlet. And so, um, you know, there were some instances that, you know, just when you have continuity or when you have experience, you kind of immediately know, okay, one, two, where's my check down? Or, you know, being able to quickly exhaust your progression if you're getting five eligibles out in the pattern. And those are things that it's, it's why what he did was so unique against the Raiders. But I also think it creates a false sense of expectations you know, just based on the nuances that that position entails week in and week out with a plethora of different things that you can kind of activate. And um, and that's kind of where we're at. But it's, um, you know, it's something that he'll continue to improve on. And, and we got to do a good job of being selective with the types of things that we want to do relative not only to him being so new with us, but also the amount of guys and, and turnover that's occurring around him. Yeah, I don't want to be defeatist, but the false sense of expectations there is the phrase that kind of rang true to me, that we all knew that it was unfair to ask of Baker to replicate what he did on two days preparation against the Raiders. But nonetheless, I think he was self-critical that the best moments of the passing game were downfield to Van Jefferson and then getting the ball checked down to a Cam Akers or a Kyron Williams, and he wished he had done that more more often and better, more efficiently. You know, watching both quarterbacks operate, it, it was almost unfair when you watch Aaron Rodgers. Remember how he was coaching his receivers when they made mistakes? He'd give them looks or say, come on, you got to be here and there. I mean, Baker's like, well, wait, was he right? He's got to ask, was he right? Yeah, he was right. Then, wait, that receiver's not even sure if he's right. So the play is dead. So it's it's odd. One guy is fully versed in his system and what they want to do and what they're trying to do, and one guy's still learning on the fly. That, that's tough to do when you're in that environment, plus it's cold. So, But like I said, I'd love to give him some more time, some more time with some better weapons and in a scenario where he actually gets a chance to learn everything, and then let's see what he's got. This Denver defense has really, I think – held the fort I mean I I can't believe statistically that I'm looking at a top five defense led by first year DC uh, Edgero Evero who was with the Rams as recently as last year this is the team and a defense that traded Bradley Chubb to Miami right kind of signaling that they were sellers at the deadline and yet uh, you know Pat Sertan is a first-time pro bowler uh, a couple of interceptions on the year it looks really good in year two they're the top defense against the pass in the National Football League so the Rams are getting Plenty, even from a 4-10 and 10 challenger this Sunday, coming back for Baker's third game. Coach Evero was so much fun to talk to, and I learned a lot about ball in secondary talking to him. But the thing that struck me, and this is what I love about him, uh, his attention to detail. And you heard this about uh, Brandon Staley when he was here, how – how everyone was so dialed in and so prepared for games, game plan-wise. They knew exactly what we were going to do and how to do it. That's how he coaches. Uh, To the point where he took the field, game day, at the same time, every game, home or away. He would always take the field the same way, turn right, do his warm-ups, do everything, and then every day looked the same for him. So that, to me, is invaluable for a defense. Look, if you you at least have 11 guys that are all on the same page – and you know what the checks are, you give yourself a chance to be successful. The problem is when you get nine on one page and two on the other or you get some freelancers, that's how you have these big plays that pop. But the thing that strikes me about defense is all 11 are on the same page and they all wind up in the same film when the ball is stopped. 
So they're, they're good and they're pursuing all at the same time. So that, to me, tells me he has their ear. Hmm. No, I think throwing the football against them was going to be difficult anyway, especially now that Brian Allen is done for the year. You lose Ben Skoranek. You're going to be throwing the football to... 2-2. Van, Brandon Powell. Yeah. Uh, maybe some Lance McCutcheon, Austin Trammell. I mean, these are... Bryson Hopkins. I saw him on the bench. He's out there. He's Come on. six targets on the year. It was nice to get Tyler Higby in the end zone. It's been a rough year for Higgs, uh, but he is now one touchdown away from standing alone atop the Rams' record books in all of those tight end categories. Catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. But where I was, catch, too. Yeah. Where I was going with that is Cam Akers had his best game of the year, and this feels like another week where the Rams' best option might be to bludgeon the opposing defenses with their running game. Uh, 5.4 yards per carry a season high for Cam. And going back to that check down point, he has not been a part of the passing game this year. Even though he's got great hands out of the backfield, he finally was uh, 35 yards on three catches. Uh, So, again, we're scrapping, we're reaching for things, but in terms of how can you find a way to victory against the Broncos, uh, I think leaning on acres and that running game with however you assemble your offensive line could be it. This is old school football, and like you said, Cam Akers running the ball. Make no mistake, this will be a defensive struggle. It should be a low-scoring game, but running the football will be paramount for for either team. Whoever dominates that part of the stat column is probably going to win. The other side is you're going to have to take it away. You really are. Both offenses are going to struggle to move the football. I mean, really. And they're going to be conservative in their play calling, and they should. Uh, I think maybe Denver might loosen it up a little bit because they have Russell Wilson. But taking the ball away and running the football behind it, that will tell the story of this football game. Yeah, the Broncos got their offensive line scrambled last week. We'll see what five they bring to SoFi Stadium. But despite those issues, Latavius Murray at 32 years of age last week 130 yards on 24 carries to become Denver's first 100-yard rusher of the season. Uh, That was against the Arizona Cardinals. Murray was signed off the Saints practice squad earlier in the year. They also are potentially going to activate Chase Edmonds off of injured reserve, uh, kind of the latest in the backfield from the Denver Broncos. And with Russell Wilson coming back, uh, DeMarco, you kind of combine two elements. Best rushing performance of the year last week for the Broncos. Two weeks prior, before Russell Wilson suffered that concussion in the game against the Chiefs, may have been his best game. Three passing touchdowns also rushed for 57 yards on four carries. So can they put that together? Can they put a complete performance together here at SoFi Stadium uh, to challenge the Rams defensively? Well, same game plan that you're going to use, that you use against Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to use against him. And it's it's not necessarily the guy you're playing against. It's kind of out of necessity. You're going to have to rush five to get pressure. You know this, right? That means the other four back there are going to have to lock down in man coverage and not miss guys, uh, not drop. You can't have a coverage bust. But to get pressure outside of Floyd, you're going to have to rush that inside backer you know, on Russell Wilson. And the problem is, just like Aaron Rodgers, he's going to know it's coming. So you're going to have to deal with it on the outside, make sure your your corners are ready to tackle, and your safeties and your linebackers. You cannot drop people in man coverage in the underneath and give him the escape route, especially when when you're getting guys free to the quarterback. So... Uh, but it's the same game plan. Uh, even worse than Aaron Rodgers. This guy can make you miss and get outside, and you'll never get a free lick on him. But I would say definitely test him, especially a guy coming off a concussion. Firing that middle linebacker, it does feel like a Bobby Wagner-Russell Wilson reunion is coming in the backfield this weekend. Am I wrong? That'll be a big how do you do when it happens. I feel like <laughs> Wagner wants to – wants whether or not he's being sent, I feel like he does want to go. 
And play I, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. If you're Raheem Wilson. Morris, just go ahead and call it because he's going to do it anyway. Let him pick his moment, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> At all concerned about the fact that he's a Pro Bowl snub? I mean, I think we've talked about this in, in weeks gone by, that the Rams' record probably dragging down uh, his chances of overcoming some really good middle linebackers in the National Football well, League. Well, look, uh, take Fred Warner, for instance. Uh, he's in the Pro Bowl, correct? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all of his big plays, big games came in, in wins for the 49ers. So that stands out. I mean – Bobby Wagner had – he outproduced everyone. I think he's top ten in tackles. He has five sacks. That's more than any other inside linebacker he's got to pick. Uh, He even blocked a field goal. I mean, all this stuff, his numbers, his name stands out. But the only problem is most of his big games came in losses. So you're talking about what the Rams didn't do before you get to him. So that's, that's perception. But he's still the best to me. I mean, he's played the best out of any inside linebacker. Halftime here on Rams All Access, a week 16 edition. Coming up, it's our weekly trip inside opponent's territory, four down territory with Jeff Legwald, senior writer for ESPN who covers the Broncos. A lot to get to on their side of the equation. So we'll pause here, but we still have a look to the NFL weekend, a loaded Saturday slate, and the latest installment of our playoff eliminator contest. Happy holidays, everyone. Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. We welcome you back to Rams All Access. Week 16 has the Denver Broncos visiting SoFi Stadium on a Christmas Sunday. DeMarco Farr will rejoin us momentarily. I'm J.B. Long, and we are pleased to be joined by NFL Nation reporter Jeff Legwald, who covers the Denver Broncos. Uh, Jeff, thank you for some of your time. And before we get to the football uh, components, tragedy has struck the Denver fan base on a couple of occasions. Uh, Demarius Thomas recently, and now this week and today, we learn about the passing of Ronnie Hillman. So if you don't mind, could we start there just in terms of where the Broncos are emotionally having lost a, a couple of their beloved teammates from years gone by yeah you know uh Ronnie a lot of a lot of folks even even guys who played with him didn't know how sick he was uh, with cancer until recently and uh, a lot of us had just started to hear from them that they were touching base with Ronnie's family and Ronnie himself and and how dire it was. And then, you know, he went into hospice earlier this week. He was, he's only 31. Uh, you know, I, I was here when Ronnie was drafted in, in 2012. And at the time it was noteworthy because I think there were three 20 year olds in that draft and, and the Broncos took two of them and, and Ronnie Hillman and Brock Osweiler. So Ronnie was one of the youngest players I've ever seen come into the NFL and, uh, you know, he led the Super Bowl winner in 2015 in rushing, and he and he led him in touchdowns as well. So, uh, a brief career here, but but two Super Bowls and the and the four, the one of the winningest four year stretches any team's ever had. Hmm. Yeah, well said, Jeff. Russell Wilson, new Broncos quarterback, uh, one of those adding his condolences this morning, tweeting, so sad to hear about Ronnie. 2012 draft class gone too soon, praying for the entire Hillman family, friends, and teammates. May you rest in peace in heaven. Uh, No way to segue back to football, of course, Jeff, but we'll do our best here. Let's just start with Russell Wilson uh, coming back, clearing the concussion protocol. Is there a case to be made that the Broncos are actually building a little momentum offensively? I think back to that near comeback against the Chiefs, it felt like maybe Wilson's best performance as a Bronco. You know, I think it was. Other than the the opener, uh, they lost to Seattle, but, uh, you know, it was certainly his only three-touchdown game of the season so far against the Chiefs. And uh, they did, he just showed 
more patience with the, the things that were available. I think uh, whether he will admit it or not, and he hasn't when I've asked him, but I think he's pressed a little this year trying to show everyone that the contract was worth it, the trade was worth it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at football items and there, there are certainly footwork things and all of those technical items that, you know, need review. But I think a big part of his struggles at times this year is the simple human emotion of pressing for the new bosses. And uh, I think a lot of people do it in a lot of jobs. And I think he's doing it in his. And, uh, you know, against the Chiefs, he was just more willing to make the play that was available instead of trying to press the issue down the field when it wasn't there. Uh, Jeff Legwald, senior writer for ESPN, covers the Denver Broncos. And we're privileged to have some of his time to preview Week 16 here at SoFi Stadium. Certainly not the uh, matchup that uh, the TV networks had hoped for for this uh, simulcast on Nickelodeon, but nonetheless should be fun on the holiday weekend. Let's flip sides to defense, Jeff. And it has been an elite year for the Broncos' defense, despite being put in some adverse circumstances. First-year defensive coordinator Edgero Evero is a familiar uh, name and face to Rams fans. Might he be in line for even bigger opportunities going into the offseason? I, I could think of him as a head coach very easily. You know, he certainly has that demeanor and, you know, that air about him. I, I think he, you know, when he presents himself, that, you know, you think that's a, that's a future head coach. And strategically, you can't argue with much or of, with anything they've done this year, uh, even with the injuries they've had on defense. Uh, not as many injuries as the offense, because I'm not sure any offense in the league has as many injuries as the Broncos' offense. But they have had to deal with some things on de- defensively, and, and they've just kept on going. And I, I think Deverell will get a look. I think sometimes guys on the defensive side of the ball, it takes them a little longer to, to get that head coaching opportunity because so much emphasis from owners and fans and just the public – uh, perception of hires is, you know, are you bringing the the flashy, high-scoring offense? So I think some guy, sometimes guys like Edgerow have to wait uh, a year or two, but I, I think he will get some interest or an interview or two in this offseason for sure. Hmm. We're pleased to have Jeff Legwald with us on Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Three games to go. It's a matchup between four and ten teams at SoFi Stadium this Sunday. Hope you can join us in Inglewood. Final question, Jeff. It's an unfair one, I know, but in terms of the coaching hot seat, Nathaniel Hackett hoping not to go one and done. What's your sense of uh, the temperature that he's experiencing, and what does he need to do in this closing stretch to be back next year? Well, you know, a few of us got to talk to uh, the, one of the owners and CEO, Greg Penner, in London when the team was in London in late October. Uh, that's kind of been Greg Penner's last public comments about the situation, and he essentially said how the team finished would matter uh, to him. And, I, and I've, I've said to people here, I think the players have spoken and in, in how they feel. I, I've, in all my time doing this, I've seen plenty of teams uh, tap out and call it a day uh, in, a, in a struggling season. And despite all the things that have happened to this team, they haven't. I mean, they were down 27 to nothing to the Chiefs in the second quarter two weeks ago. And that is a moment where a lot of teams would have just 
put the stamp on it and it would have been 41 to nothing or, you know, 50, 51 to three, something like that. And they didn't, they, you know, they fought back. So I think the way they've played uh, shows uh, Hackett and the staff still has the support of the locker room. You know, they, uh, they have a talent deficiency right now because of all the injuries. They lead the league, uh, but they don't have an effort deficiency. And I think if, as long as that's the case, I, I think he has a, a, a chance to return back next year with some tweaks that everybody agrees on, whether it be staff or scheme or any of those things moving forward. Jeff, you've given me an idea for Sunday. Instead of a coin toss, maybe the uh, organizations can meet at midfield and just compare injured reserve and, and decide who's had it worse so far this year. And that person, that team, can get the football first. That would be uh, the option to defer, I guess, uh, as we look ahead to yeah. Broncos and Rams. Everybody just starts at midfield, maybe. <laughs> and you have been to SoFi. Did you come earlier this year for the game against the Chargers? I did, yes. Okay, well, we're looking forward to welcoming you back. Beware of the slime. I'll be ready. All right. Thank you. Happy holiday. And to you, Jeff Legwald, longtime NFL writer for ESPN, covers the Denver Broncos. Good to get their temperature as we await their arrival. On this Christmas weekend, DeMarco Farr will rejoin us next to close out this holiday edition of Rams All Access. You are listening to 710 ESPN. Final segment of Rams All Access to Marco Far, J.B. Long. Not the stakes we had hoped for Sunday at SoFi, but still looking forward to the Broncos and the Rams. Hope you can join us in Inglewood for this holiday classic. All right, DeMarco, uh, last-minute items here, including a full Saturday slate of games. Most of the NFL schedule falling on the Saturday uh, portion of the weekend. I'm intrigued by the Detroit Lions, since we started the show by saying that they want to know the outcome of the Rams game. Uh, why don't we start there? 7-7 seven seven Lions, 5-9 and nine Panthers. The Lions making a run uh, at the playoff picture with Jared Goff at the controls, and the Panthers still alive in a very muddy NFC South. You know, watching Jared Goff um, play, I think he's actually improved some, at least in his decision making. No doubt making. he's improved. Yeah. And I think having the Rams move on from him, Helped Probably him. helped him improve. He's the guy, and and they love him there. There is no doubt. And uh, say what you want about Dan Campbell. I mean, this team was one and six, and here we are talking about Detroit right around Christmas time. So yeah, I mean, low key rooting for the for the Lions. A couple other ones I want to point out before we get to the NFC West games: uh, the eight five and one Giants at the eleven and three Vikings. How about the fact that the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell pull off the biggest come from behind win in NFL history? And it's not even like the most dramatic finish of last week because of what the Raiders did to the New England Patriots. Same as with the Lions. I'm rooting for the Minnesota Vikings. I do feel bad for Matt Ryan. You have been on the receiving end of, of two of the biggest comebacks in NFL history, on the losing end. Um, so when he does cycle into TV, uh, when he's pretty critical of any coach or quarterback, guess what's going to come up? That. <laughs> one more before we get to the Niners and the Seahawks games. Uh, that would be 13-1 and Philadelphia without Jalen Hurts. Carter Minshew going to start against the 10-4 and Cowboys. This one in Dallas on Saturday. But, DeMarco, you know, now that the Rams are out of it, what I'm rooting for in the NFC. And that is an NFC championship game in Philly between the Cowboys and the Eagles. That, to me, would be a second Super Bowl. That would be awesome. I mean, the, the history alone on that, the, the buildup to that week would, would just be so special. I don't know what to make of Dallas, though. I don't know what to make of Dallas. Um, I'm right on the fence with Dak Prescott again. 
I, I see what the naysayers are saying. I see what the other side is saying, too. I see both sides. I think you're living it right now with the Cowboys. So wh- what do you think of the Cowboys? I wouldn't want to hit them in the playoffs. Fair enough. I think their best is still good enough to go the distance. When they know you're coming and see you coming, they're a snoop I think yeah. their high end is still good enough to win a championship. Uh, right. I just don't think they've delivered it consistently enough. Agreed. Right there with you. About we've said that for the better part of <laughs> much of our lifetime, Ag- I feel agreed. like, since yep. the height of the Cowboys era. All right. Saturday, the 7-7 seven and seven Seahawks go to Kansas City. The Seahawks, to me, are fascinating. Geno Smith is a pro bowler. Uh, he still could lead them to a Super Bowl. But they got work to do, and they've got a hard finish. I'm wondering what the stakes are going to be for them in Week 18 when the Rams uh, play the finale up at Lumen Field. We were there in Kansas City. You saw Mahomes, and we've seen Seattle once. What do you think is going to happen in that football game? I like Geno Smith. I love what Seattle tries to do. But to me, Kansas City there is a completely different animal. Hmm. 11-3 11-3 Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I think that has the potential to be a high-scoring game. We'll see if the conditions allow for that. The 49ers are 10-4. and They're home to the Commanders. The 49ers uh, playing for, what, the two-seed essentially now? The Eagles are going to get the one. 49ers uh, continue their run, uh, likely playing for the two. Not much to say about that one other than Brock Purdy. How far can you carry them? And and Bosa in that defense. Can um, you get them to the point where Debo's back healthy? Maybe you're not. Garoppolo, we'll see. I think they're a problem for anybody in the NFC, even if they don't have Debo, because of how well they rush the passer and destroy your run game. Hmm. Buccaneers and Cardinals, the Sunday night game. Here's why I want to talk about the Cardinals. They, too, like the Rams, are 4-10. and 10. It feels like it's a race to the bottom. And that could actually have implications, not only in terms of draft order, DeMarco, but in terms of the matchups that you catch in those three TBD games uh, next season. Oh, I thought you meant who might be coaching them next year. Well, that too. (laughs) uh, But I don't have any insight as to that specifically. No, I've just been reading Deadspin. But I I will say, like, (laughs) it could be the difference between traveling to Houston next year on your schedule or catching the Jacksonville Jaguars, potentially. Or going you, there or Jacksonville coming here? Going there. Going there, okay. Or whether you make a trip to, let's say, Chicago, or you make another trip to Lambeau Field. I'd you, rather go to Florida. <laughs> so these are just yeah. some of the things that, that wow. will be decided, even though it doesn't feel like the Rams have a lot to play for. There, there is still some business to be determined there uh, in these final three weeks, and it's not all within the Rams' control. So there you have it. Is it, is. Tom Brady worthy of me feeling sorry for him? Are you there yet? I mean, I, yes, that guy. But what he think of what what he's gone through this year, what he's still going through, and he still has to be the quarterback of a, of a football team in the National Football League. Uh, the personal stuff, I will empathize with. Nothing on the football field, I don't think deserves <laughs> your pity. Right? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, go to our playoff eliminator contest. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, For those who are tuning in for the first time, uh, DeMarco and I draft teams uh, throughout the year that we think we we feel confident in that they're going to miss the postseason. I have the Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, Panthers, Lions, Broncos, and Bears. One more time, the Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, Panthers, Lions, Broncos, and Bears. Feeling pretty good. Still some business to be determined uh, with the Jets, with the Seahawks. Even the, the Falcons and the Panthers still have life. And, of course, the Lions we've already talked about. 
But I'm in a better position than DeMarco, who uh, has the commanders in his pile. They're in the playoff picture if it were to end today, and the Buccaneers still leading the NFC South. His other teams, the Texans, the Raiders, uh, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Packers will be at Miami trying to make a run uh, to the postseason by winning out. Can you admit those are good picks? Tampa Bay is about to be in the playoffs at 6-8. and eight. And the Commanders, the who knew Commanders, come on now. By the way, we have uh, removed the Rams from consideration. Yes. So that's why you don't hear their name in either of our groups. Um, so whoever has the most teams uh, in his group that misses the playoffs, that's a point of peace. You think you get it. But if you pick a team that makes the postseason, boom goes the dynamite. Uh, so DeMarco has a few grenades in his bunker. Uh, I, I think I'm done playing. And what I mean by that is I don't feel like I need to pick any more. I think I'm going to come out ahead uh, in the standings, so to speak. I just have to avoid drafting a team. Well, can we concede and start a new game? <laughs> you know? Are you you want to concede? Uh, come on now. Look, what, what can I do about Tampa at this point? How about They're going to win the South. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. I'll switch the game up. Do you want to... Grant me this year's playoff eliminator contest, and then maybe I don't know what the game is. Um, how about we try and pick division winners that have not been decided yet? Let's see who can pick the most division winners. Okay, fair, Adam. Thumbs up. Okay, cool. You win. Okay. I'm jumping the net. I'm shaking your head. You win. Then what we have to decide uh, is the NFC South, the AFC South, the AFC North. And that's it. Wow. I think that's it. So we pick one now? I mean, Buffalo hasn't quite clinched the East, but you know, they're going to the win the East. They're going to win the East. They're going to win the East. So, okay, as the winner of the playoff eliminator contest, then, I think I get the first first pick. And I – You should pick the AFC South first. I should pick the <laughs> – <laughs> I think the Jacksonville Jags are the favorite there. I will ride with the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC North. In the North. 10 and 4. Okay. I'll ride the Yeah. Okay, you can pick a division next. Uh, let's see. I Tannehill's out for the year, right? I heard Tannehill is on IR for Tennessee. So you're going to lean that way? Uh, well, he's out. I'm I'm with you on Jacksonville um and Trevor Lawrence winning the South. Um I assume they have to win out, correct? They're a game back. And Tennessee has to lose. Okay, so you're going Jags? I'll take the Jags in the south. Okay. I'll, for Maurice Jones-Drew, I will take the Jags in the south. Ooh, Don't let me down. Tom Brady and the Bucks <laughs> in the NFC south then, I guess. They're going to outlast Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta? Sure, why not? Why not? I don't like it, but there you have it. This okay. will be fun. Yes. I'm Leave taking Carolina in the South. How about that? How about that? Back to our game. Should we finish with SoFi Stadium and Christmas Sunday, the Rams and the Denver Broncos? Hey, look. A matchup of four and ten teams. Look, it's um, this is our last game at SoFi, right? So No, it's not. I mean, we have the Chargers coming up. I mean, the last home game for the Rams at SoFi. No, it's not. Just kidding. Will you stop that? <laughs> anyway, uh, look, defending champs, I still say – it was worth it. And no one could have predicted all these injuries. And it's it's almost 
you feel bad for Sean McVay. Really, you don't because he's a coach and you have to go through this stuff. But no one, I don't care who you are, Vince Lombardi himself could not make it through a season of this many injuries. So uh, I, I think it's incumbent upon this group, whatever's out there, to at least finish the season off in the right way. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out or winning, beating the Broncos is a must. We hope you get the win, but at least go out hard. At least go out swinging. At least send your fans home with some hope to say, we get it, we understand, and we're still going to fight for you. So I can't wait, and it's always fun to see Russell Wilson running for his life. I hope that somebody will be in hot pursuit. I think back to the preseason and what felt different about this summer is in McVay and his coaching staff for the first time we're talking about you know, making positive memories for individuals who had given so much to the offseason program in those three games. The Rams, as you know, don't play their starters. And I'm not calling these final three games preseason games, not by any means. Uh, they're game planned differently. They're treated differently. There's real professional consequences uh, that August can't deliver. But I do feel like this last closing stretch is about how many positive memories can you create? Maybe it's Bobby Wagner getting a standing ovation at Lumen Field in the finale. Maybe it is Bobby Wagner sacking Russell Wilson. Maybe it's Brandon Powell getting his first offensive touchdown as a Ram. Maybe it's Austin Trammell catching his first score. Tyler Higby setting the Rams tight end record. On and on and on you can go. How about scoring a non-offensive touchdown for the first year? There's these boxes that you can check um, that take me back to the Thursday night thriller against the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not saying anything's going to top that here in these final three games, but I'm not willing to settle for just the role of playing Grinch and spoiler the rest of the way. There's an element to that, don't get me wrong, um, but I, I'm looking for more positive tastes, more positive experiences, more feel-good moments from the 2022 Los Angeles Rams, hopefully as soon as Sunday here at SoFi. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. For our producer, Adam Bronstein, DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. As always, Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.